It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Drogheda, the Renault Dealer of the Year and most Google-reviewed dealership in Ireland. For award-winning customer service you can trust, visit us today. Blackstone Motors, drive with peace of mind. 041-983-1100. Wednesday afternoons, Late Lunch, LMFM Radio. You're very welcome to the show. The Ireland soccer team are looking for a new manager. Yes, it's bye-bye Roy and Martin last night, confirmed this morning by the FAI. On the line, Carl Dervin, sports editor with the Irish Sun. I'm sure who's not a bit surprised. No, not at all surprised, Jerry. And I'm actually uh, glad that for once John Delaney and the FBI did the right thing, took decisive action in the wake of that boar fest that was Monday night's game in Denmark. Uh, and they're now already in the process of looking for their next manager. Toxic situation, fair to say it's been for a while now. It has been for a year, Jerry. I mean, you know, this time last year, we were destroyed by Denmark 5-1 in the Cup playoff second leg, having taken the lead after four minutes, having had a couple of chances to go 2-0 up and having drawn 0-0 in Denmark. You know, 2-0 at home would have been would have been curtains for the Danes. But instead, we just uh, collapsed against them. We made substitutions at half-time that made no sense to anybody, including the Irish team. Uh, and in the 12 months since then, I'm afraid, as, as I read one piece online this morning, say it's like somebody let the, bo- the air out of the ball for Irish football in those 12 months because it has just got worse and worse and worse and with no sign of improvement. I mean, four games, four goals over a year, nine games, one win, four games without a goal at all. Steve Staunton had, got, had a better record than this and, and he got sacked unceremoniously. So it's, it's no surprise that they're gone. John Delaney has been decisive. He, he went and met them. He, he's obviously made the call with the support of his board there as well. Um, what about the money situation? Because money, it's no secret, it, it is tight in the FAI. These guys had contracts. There's a new manager and a team to be employed. Where does that all add up or stand? Or how are they going to meet those commitments, Carl? There's, there's so many sideshows to this, Jerry. because you know, up to now we had Dennis O'Brien paying over half the mm. battery of the management team. That goes back to the Trapatoni era. That's now gone. Um, we have a situation where I'm led to believe now this afternoon that it's somewhere around one and a half, two million it has cost the FBI to, to uh, reach the end of this agreement mutually, as of course is always said. Uh, and you have the debt over the stadium as well. So there was a lot of financial considerations, but I think two things were decisive uh, in terms of impact. One was the fact that John Delaney started to get blamed for this. 
uh, and I think you and I have discussed this many times, Jerry. Once John gets under pressure, somebody pays a price, and in this instance, it's the management team. And the second thing is Euro 2020, the draws in Dublin on Sunday week in the Convention Centre. You know, if we qualify, we have two games at home. There are four games guaranteed to be in Dublin. If we qualify, we're we're, we're one we're one game guaranteed. Uh, sorry, two group games guaranteed, and a possibility of a third game if we get through. The issue now, of course, is that we're third seed for the group going into the draw because of the results in the Nations League. So the FBI, if they want to embrace the cash cow that could be Euro 2020, they need a manager that the public can have faith in. But more importantly, they need a manager that the players have faith in. Because if you look at Monday and you look at Northern Ireland, I interviewed Kevin Kilman over the weekend and he said the players going around with their heads down, their, their, their shoulders were hoops. They just There was no crack about them, there was no enjoyment about them. It was like a chore having to play for Martin O'Neill. And that's not something you can carry into a qualification. So what's going to happen, in your opinion, in the short term? Will we see a quick appointment here with those Euro draws on the horizon? Next game isn't until uh, well into next year, so really there isn't as much pressure. No, I mean, you, 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 could, I mean, you could realistically appoint a manager in February and you'd have plenty of time and you'd have saved the, the wages between now and then. I know they have made overtures already today uh, to people. I know... They've said, and I think you know, they've been called most places are saying that they want to make a quick appointment. It will be important to John Delaney to be seen with, with a, a, you know, a, an attractive uh, manager on his arm going into that draw on Sunday week. Um, and you know, most of the guys who, who have been linked with the job are available. There's nobody. Mm. Or Chris Hewton uh, under contract at the moment, and Chris Hewton isn't going to give up the Premier League for Ireland at this moment in time. Um, Stephen Kenny is contracted to Dundalk, but if, if, I'm sure if the FBI came knocking, Dundalk would reach an agreement with him. Mick McCarthy, for the first time uh, that he's been linked with the Ireland job, uh, even when he got it uh, back in '96, he was manager in Millwall, so there's no compensation involved with Mick McCarthy. I see Sam Allardyce mentioned he's available. Harry Redknapp might have to get out of the jungle quicker than he <laughs> He'd <laughs> love that. Be part of it. He'd, he'd probably come home to a nice big stake somewhere <laughs> up in Shannon's or something um, so you know so so, so there, there are a lot of names that are readily available uh, if they want to go quickly but I, I, I just think John Delaney will want to be seen to do something very positive very quickly and he will want the, the trophy manager on his arm going into the convention centre there you go so we could have an appointment within a couple of weeks you've mentioned a number of names there Stephen Kenny, he should be involved somewhere, shouldn't he, in the Irish setup? To, yeah, I mean, he, he has to be in the frame. I just think it's probably a job too early for him in terms of the international setup, and I, and I would like to see him involved uh, with the next manager going forward, be that as part of a coaching team, as part of a. You know, Pat Sennon has called today for a root and branch review of Irish football, and that's no bad thing either in the wake of all of this, that we actually take a step back and say, okay, what needs to happen here? What, you know, 2020 is around the corner. What can we do to improve? the quality of the young players coming through to improve the way that they play football to improve the domestic league etc etc and Stephen Kenny would have to be a part of that conversation Brian Kerr should be a part of that conversation as well but the chances are he won't be so I think it's important now that, that you know they do to, to use that old Johnny Gilesism they put their foot on the ball and see what can be done long term but in the short term they will want the manager as quickly as possible and that's why my own feeling is that Mick McCarthy will be back probably with the likes of Robbie Keane alongside him yeah, I was going to say that that seems to be uh, the bongos in the jungle beating on this one the dream team Mick McCarthy with Robbie Keane by his side uh, as the as the new uh, setup. can you go back Cahill Oh, you can. I mean, you know, as you know, Jerry, I know Mick well, and, and he would go back in the morning if the FBI made him an offer. Uh, you know, he's had a number of, of sort of interested uh, parties talking to him in, in recent weeks. 
he wants the right job. I mean, it has to be the right club or the right team. And, and you know, people will say you, you shouldn't go back and it's not a bit of unfinished business going back to, to 2002, etc., etc. But this is a man who is still very hungry. He's a man in touch. If he thinks that it needs Lee Carsley or Robbie Keane or Gary Breen or Matt Holland or whoever it is on board with him to talk to the next generation of players to get them thinking the way that he wants them to think, he will do that. And, and you know, the problem for Mick is that the FEI have dangled this in front of him a couple of times recently. Um, the last time they went with Martin O'Neill, almost knowing that if they didn't get O'Neill, they would have Mick McCarthy lined up as replacement. And, and you know, he, he would be aware of that. But I think if Ireland came calling in exactly the same manner as which, you know, people... Poor old Stan gets slaughtered for taking the Ireland job and, and what happened afterwards. You cannot turn your country down. If if the FEI came knocking on Mick McCarthy's door tomorrow, he would take the job. The same as Stan took it all those years ago. So I, I think, you know, to me, he's the man. He's the obvious choice. He still has something to offer. Just just look at how badly Ipswich have fared since they got rid of him. And, mm. and, and again, if you look back to, to Jerry to when he took over from Jack, you know, it, it, it's, it's not dissimilar. The players aren't as good now as they were then. But a lot of them had retired back then a lot of young players had to be brought in and Mick he threw Robbie Keane in at 17 years of age so he's not afraid to take a chance on the player and I think that the, the, the positive thing that Martin O'Neill gave us before he left was that he got Obafemi onto the pitch and he's now committed to us and I think Troy Parrott the young lad at Spurs is committed to us the young goalkeeper at Liverpool is committed to us so there are young players coming through young O'Connor at Manchester United and it just needs a manager now that can actually embrace that give us some positivity and bring us forward but if we ever have to endure our house again, we should all give up, Terry, because it's just, it was absolutely... Mm, I watched it, and I have to say, when I look at Scotland last night and the game Scotland was against Israel, and, you know, they are limited as well in the players they have, but they went out and played football. They attacked, they entertained, they tried to score goals. My God, I, I know we, you and I talked when Trapattoni here was here, it was awful as well. Just one thing, you mentioned players there before we finish up. Do you honestly believe that there's a pool of players that can come together and make Ireland better? Or, or the current group he has can make McCann or somebody else improve on them? I think even if you if you had the teams that have played in the last four games and, and changed the way you, you you play tactically, we could have scored a goal. We didn't even create a chance on Monday night. Mm. I, I I don't you know, and I remember the days when the crowd clamoured outside Lansdowne Road to get it on hand after he got pasted by the Danes. But at least we we created chances and we we had a bit of flair about the team. And you know, you've guys in this team like Robbie Brady and Jeff Hendry. They've gone backwards over the last two years. Mm. They've absolutely gone backwards. So you know, there there are and and the one thing we always look for, Jerry, is commitment and passion and pride. You look at the way the rugby team played on Saturday against New Zealand, and okay, they won the game, but even if they lost that match, the effort that they put in and the belief. And that starts with the coach and it starts with a realisation that you need to change when you, when the time comes to change. We haven't seen that. Martin O'Neill couldn't change. The, the, the spots, I'm afraid, were, were glued onto his back and he could not change those spots. And he got no help from his What his number two was doing, I don't know. But anyway, that's a different story that's for a, another day. That's a story for but, but another are, day, is right. Yeah, there, 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 there are players there. And, you know, look, look, look at young Hogan up in Dundalk and the goals he scored this year. Yeah. He doesn't get he doesn't get near the squad. Mm. Young, Duffy, young Duffy's going to declare for us now and, and, and make the switch so th- there are players out there but you've, but you've got to have a system that, that can do them justice and you've got to believe in them everything that Martin O'Neill said about his players in the last 12 months has been negative and if you keep telling a player that he's not good enough you know sometimes eventually they will believe you it does stick is right so for you McCarthy yes I, w- I would appoint Mick McCarthy tomorrow morning and uh, I, w- I would look at the likes of Lee Carsey or Robbie Keane or whoever the case may be. And Robbie, by the way, isn't experienced enough to be a number two. I think he might he might end up 
some other coaching role within the setup. Mm. But bring bring new blood in, and, and, and you know, Mick has been in management for the last twenty odd years now in, in, in the UK. He knows what's going on. He knows the game. His only contact is with Virgin Media, so it's either can they get him out of Virgin Media or can they get Harry out of the jungle? <laughs> I think for a burger alone, Harry would leave the jungle tomorrow. You mightn't cost that much. <laughs> I'd, say, I'd say for a, for a, a, a batch bread sandwich, sandwich we'd, get him, we'd get him on the plane. <laughs> Carl, thank you so much for joining me. Really appreciate it. Take care of yourself. Bye bye. Carl Darren, sports editor with the Irish Sun. Yes, uh, O'Neill and Keane gone from the Irish job uh, vacancy. Who will fill it? Carl thinks it, it could be the return of Mick McCarthy. Have you any feelings or thoughts? You can always get in touch with us on the show 086 658 by text or WhatsApp 1850 if you'd like to call in. Up next. I have a legend of a lady with me. This woman is there no end to her talent. Anne McVeigh is here and she's the queen of Christmas puddings. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Drogheda, your local Renault selection dealer. With over 250 quality used cars in stock, there's always something for everyone at Blackstone Motors. Check out our used stock online at blackstonemotors.ie. As you know, each year on Late Lunch, we put out the call for the Christmas puddings. Yes, every year we've nominated the best Christmas pudding in the Northeast. And our listeners are wonderful people. They send us in whole puds, half puds, pieces of puds. We taste them genuinely and we crown a champion on the run into Christmas. And the competition is open this year. I mentioned it the other day on the show. We'll be telling you more about the dates. But if you're in the pudding making business, homemade, uh, we want to taste your pudding. And maybe it'll be you winning a fabulous hamper this year. I'm joined on the show by a lady, as I said, who is multi-talented. And I'm going to tell you a little story about her. I was by my phone the other night and it started to beep. And I'm a friend of Anne McVeigh's on uh, Facebook. And it never ever stopped for hour and hour and even into the next day. And I'll tell you why. She put up a little comment. Uh, She put up a picture of her mixing Christmas pudding. And it said I stirred the puddings for you all. Make a wish. Anne McVeigh, you're welcome to Late Lunch again. Thank you, Jerry. Thank you for having me. What is this about? Make a wish. I stir, stirred the pudding for you. Well, when I was a child and I lived in Greenhills, my grandparents, um, well, we always made our own Christmas puddings. Uh, when my granny would instruct everybody, my Auntie Vera would come to the house. It was a big thing. And then when we moved up to Scarlet Crescent, like my mum and dad continued to, to make the Christmas pudding. So when we moved into our own house on the Cord Terrace, the first year I was there, I made the Christmas pudding. So that was 27 Christmas puddings ago. So um, the big thing for mixing the Christmas pudding is to make the wish. Now, I think it's probably a little bit of a con because it's hard work mixing a Christmas pudding. So if you get everybody to do a little bit of mixing, it lightens the work. But uh, it's just been a huge... I, I have a, a 50 plus year tradition of stirring the, the Christmas pudding and making a wish. So for the last about five years, I would always put a picture of my pudding on the on Facebook and say... I started it for you to so make a wish so people come back and, and they make their wishes and and it's a great thing for people who don't make their own pudding mm. you know so it's just it's, it's a really important tradition in our house and we look forward to doing it every year so Well you stirred a hornet's nest with this because people came by the new time liking your picture commenting on it 
this wish you make, do you make a different wish each year? No, I make the same wish every year, Jerry, and it always comes true. (laughs) Don't tell me what it is. Keep that to yourself. It's your secret. And your children make wishes? My children make wishes. My my children actually start usually talking about it in October and when are we going to make the pudding and we're getting the ingredients for the pudding. And uh, like like my children, three of my children are grown up and I have two younger children as well. The youngest is 12. So the tradition is in our house is that the youngest one will chop the cherries. So that's their job for, you know, when everyone does their little bit and you're grating the orange rind and squeezing the juice and, you know, so everyone does their little bit and then everybody has their, their store. My son is actually lives in Berlin, so um, he's been gone for the last number of years out of the house. So I phoned him on Monday uh, at work and he was a bit concerned. Oh, is everything OK, Mama? And I says, uh, I'm stirring the Christmas pudding. Make your wish. <laughs> so he was concerned because I had put the picture up on Sunday. He thought he wasn't getting his phone call to, to mix on the, the pudding. So I said, he's... He's not even here. and he's So still, he felt he's, left out. He felt left out a little bit, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, well, I was busy on Sunday. I didn't get a chance to call, phone you. And, and I had a lot of puddings to make this year. So I had two big bowls. So it was a second bowl that, that was being kind of put together. So he got to mix on the second bowl. Of How many do you make now, Anne? Uh, this year, 10. 10 they, puddings? Yeah, they go they go up every year because, you know, it, someone will come and have a piece of a pudding and say, oh, I love the pudding. And Jim, my husband, Jim, is great for nominating me to, to make puddings for other people as well. And so I have a list of people that I, I make puddings for every year. And every year it seems to just say, I started off just doing one, just one pudding for us. <laughs> and now it's kind of You're escalation. So, yes, I'm up to 10 at the moment. The ingredients are a big part of any pudding as well. And your recipe, have you a family recipe that you use? I, d- I actually, I have two two recipes Jerry I have I have my dad's handwritten recipe that he gave me the year that we moved into the cord road uh, but there wasn't exact kind of an ingredient you know the the measurements of the ingredients so I have I, I actually think it's the Sun newspaper 1994 recipe that was there so I cut that out and that's in my Darina Allen Christmas cookbook and that comes out and uh, so that gives me more measurements so that, that so that I can upscale the size of it because there's a lot of ingredients going into making 10 puddings so I can I can make it all together, you know. So I I use an amalgamation of the two of them. But okay. all the ingredients are from my da- my dad's. I always tell the kids uh, when I'm not longer, when I'm no longer here and they're going to make the pudding, they'll never be able to replicate it because they never make the same one every year. There's always a little... Slightly different. Yeah, a little tweak. And is there alcohol in it? There is oodles of alcohol. I... Uh, a gentleman, a gentleman many, many years ago when I was involved in the parents' councils and someone had made a pudding uh, for one of the events we were having coming up to Christmas and he said, oh, I, I don't even know why they do that pudding because it's a dry owl thing, you know, there's, there's not enough, there wasn't enough drinking it. So I kind of learned a lesson from that one. I, I possibly maybe overdo it a little bit, but there'll be a nice dash of brandy and a you nice can't drop of whiskey. Moist and, Christmas oh, pudding. you've so, to soak be. in the fruit, you know. I mean, Is that to, the key? Soak your fruit, yeah. It's very important. Soak overnight? Your fruit, soak it overnight with, with, your, um, with your spirits in it. And then you can add your Guinness then at the end and that makes it nice and Oh Arthur's in there as well is he? Oh Arthur's in there too I've actually I I nicked a bit from um, uh, what's her name Nigella Nigella's Christmas pudding there a couple of years ago and I put vodka in it just for a change (laughs) (laughs) You wouldn't want to be a teetotaler They don't drive in that house after they eat pudding (laughs) I just want to assure anybody who's worried out there today Um, How do you cook it? 
I steam it in, uh, well, this year I actually, I did one, I did actually two in a slow cooker, which I've never ever done before. I've done it in the oven, where you put it in, it, like in a bain-marie and cover it with tin foil, and you can steam it in there. I, I, st- I, I have my dad's pot, so I, I Boil it on the cooker. Boil it on the cooker, yeah. Put it in, put a plate there. The, pa- the plate drives me nuts because it's bubbling away and the pra- plate rattles for eight hours at a go. So <laughs> you just keep topping up I'm the water. A, yeah, I get a little bit jarry listening to the plate, but... Uh, <laughs> It's worth it in the end, you know. And, and I made that. I, I suppose it's it's for Jim. Just there was a big tradition in his family. For his mom was fantastic, and she made the cloth pudding, which I can't make. Which I, I'd love if anybody's out there would like to give me instruction how to do that. I might try that next year. But um, she, you know, so Jim loves Christmas pudding. So I, yeah. I kind of. He's I the remember one. my late mother doing the cloth pudding, but then she moved to the bowls and the pots, yes. and I can hear that plate yeah. rattling that you're yes. talking about. The steam running down the <laughs> yeah. windows in the house all over the place. Yeah. Good God, we had no central heating, but our Christmas no, you, you, pudding you, time, yeah. we, we were in Spain. <laughs> I've been roasted for the last three days, Jerry. The last one's on at the moment. <laughs> I'll have to get the heating back going now tonight. Do you know what, Anne? I can still taste it because I used to love, from I was a small child like yourself, I remember being at the table in the huge bowl. And, you know, the ingredients of the pudding, it's not like today. They were bought over a period of time. It yep. took a while to get them together because there was an expense involved. Absolutely. Well, as I said, we lived in Green Hills and, and my mother would have been at that time was what you'd call now an everyday shopper. So, you know, we, we had no fridge. We we had an old range that we cooked on. We we did outside toilets. You know, the house was very basic. So my mother went down the town every day, bought the meat for the dinner every day. So, I, like, I remember her over a period of time just bringing home, buying the fruit. And, I mean, even the fruit was really expensive. Mm. So, I, I you know, I, I just have an awareness when I was a child that it was a very important thing that you were doing. It was very special. Yes. Because you, you wouldn't have those ingredients in your house on a, on a day-to-day basis, you know. So, like, like you, you treated them very carefully when mm. you come and you didn't spill it and you mixed it carefully. And, yeah, it was. It would have been, a, like, a, a huge thing and very expensive. It was always a row over the spoon and the licking oh, of the bowl. The I can still the, taste yeah, it. And rubbing your finger oh. on the bowl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can, I can just and then taste the smell, it still. It's, it's, it's the first smell of Christmas. Mm. Yeah, you know, I, a Christmas starts so early now. I mean, Christmas is in the shops in August and September, yeah. which is, you know, I personally I find a bit depressing. You yeah, know? me too. But for us to, you know, when you make the Christmas pudding, that's kind of the start. It's the start so you get of the that season. little smell. And How many weeks? Six weeks about, is it? Before I would, the Christmas? yeah, I'm actually, I'm actually a little bit late making it this year because we. Am I surprised with all that you're doing in your life? In the name of God, how do you get time to make one? Never mind ten. But uh, we, I would normally aim to have it done six weeks, you know, beforehand. And, and then you just wrap it, wrap it very carefully. I got a great uh, tip off a friend of mine to double wrap it. So double wrap your pudding in greaseproof paper and then double wrap it in tin foil. And that will keep it nice and moist and fresh. And, and then don't open it till Christmas. That's it. And what do you do Christmas Day to prepare? Do you reheat it again? No, we, we have it cold, but uh, you, can, you can fry it in the pan. Yeah. You know, some people re-steam it on Christmas Day. It, yes. it just depends. on what you, I, I know of one person who has it for their breakfast on Christmas morning with a fried egg on it. <laughs> and that is an, the absolute truth. And uh, so, I mean, like, what you do with your Christmas pudding on Christmas Day is your own business, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but the important thing, that's why Anne's joined us today to talk about this is get cracking, do give it a go, yeah. make your own. There's nothing like it, is no, there? No, absolutely. And, you know, you can start your own traditions there, you know, because it, for, even from the, the Facebook post, it was lovely to see people were saying, well, I don't have a recipe. Could you give me a recipe? Well, can we swap a recipe? And, and talking about how they cook it. And, and so many people, so many Drahada people are all over the world mm. making puddings, you know, making puddings for people who have no concept of what a Christmas pudding is really, you know, and especially like a really traditional Irish one. So yeah. it was lovely 
to re I, I tried to respond to everybody because it was lovely to hear their comments and say yeah. yeah well I do this or I do that and everybody has their own little traditions attached to it well Anne McVeigh you started with us and that's why you're in that seat today <laughs> if you can help her with the cloth pud we'd love to hear from you 1850 if you make the pudding in the cloth give us a shout and we'll put you in touch with Anne the Christmas pudding best in the northeast, is definitely on on late lunch now launched by Miss Anne McVeigh <laughs> thanks a million for dropping into us thank you Jerry. thanks Appreciate for having it. me the Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Drogheda, your local Renault selection dealer. With over 250 quality used cars in stock, there's always something for everyone at Blackstone Motors. Check out our used stock online at blackstonemotors.ie. Ten years in San Francisco. Well, I mightn't be leaving it, to be honest with you, if I was that lucky. But my next guest did. She's from Navin and she's back home now. She had a high-flying job in the States. She continued to work at it when she came home, gave it up, had a baby. And we thought, well, let's sit for the next while. Not on your life. Claire Tully, restless again, has opened a new business. It's called Jack and Ori Online and a physical presence in a shop in Navin now since September. And she's with us on late lunch to tell her story. It's great to see you. You're very welcome. Thank you very much, Jerry, for having me. Well, what about that life for a decade over there in that beautiful part of the world? Was it yeah. Was it really good? Uh, it was amazing, yeah. It was a, a wonderful experience to have. Um, we had a great time living in the States and... Mm wouldn't have changed it for the world now. Delighted we did it. Now, let's step back. Let's tell people why you went to the States. You and your husband, Cole. Column. Column, sorry, I beg your pardon, Column. Know each other a long, long time. We do, yeah. We've been together since we were 15, so almost 18 years now, I think it is. So, long time. What was the link to the States that, you know, took you both out there? He he had some link, had he? Yes. Yes. His dad uh, emigrated to the US in the 80s, like a lot of people did. Um, so Colm is originally from Navan and was reared in Navan uh, by his mother. And when he finished college, he worked in uh, Ashburn as a quantity surveyor for a couple of years and then decided to head out to the States to try his luck there. So I was in my last year in college, so I finished up and then I headed over and joined him. We thought we might stay a year, but ended up staying ten. for 10 years. Yeah, Quantity surveyor, say, yeah. 10 years ago, mm-hmm. the crash was just happening here. It was a yeah. good time to go, he wasn't it? He left about two months before the redundancies hit. So, really? Yeah, yeah. It was so a very good timing time is everything, yeah, isn't it, in it life? It really is. So yeah. you have no hesitation. You love this man. You said, I'm going wherever he yeah, is. Yeah, we'll, we'll go and we'll try it out. Yeah. So he picked up work, I take it, as a quantity surveyor in he the did, States yes, then. yeah. And legal, everything sorted from documentation-wise yes, over yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, no problem with that. Yeah. What did you do? Um, I went over and I was on a, a J-1 visa, graduate visa. Mm. Um, so I worked for an Irish-owned company um, as a property manager for a couple of years. And then um, we got married and I switched jobs and I worked for a tech company in Silicon Valley. Um, doing a similar enough role, but kind of working on their their office expansion across the world so it was very exciting Mm. Um, so yeah my background has always been in real estate while I was over there and even when I was here in college I studied property economics and DIT so so yeah we we both just got very lucky and got really good jobs and good careers over there and Mm. made a life for ourselves so did the crash impact, you know, we hear about what happened in the States where it, well, it came from Lehman Brothers and the, the uh, other lenders that collapsed then. So obviously when you were there, yeah. were there times when property was cheap like it was here as well? Yeah, it was definitely, the, well, in California, the property is very expensive, but there was a huge dip, um, mm. which we ended up being able to take advantage of and buying something. Yourselves. Um, yeah, yeah, in the, in the, the dip, but... Uh, 
it, it probably didn't hit San Francisco or California as much as it hit other parts of okay. of the US. I'd mm. say because there is so much money there, and mm. you know Silicon Valley is there, and all the big tech companies are there. So it's kind of it's it's kind of isolated a little yes, bit in yes, that way. So. Yeah. Were you like when you were there living a really great life? You had great jobs, both of you. Yeah. Were you busy with your jobs? Did jobs take up a lot of your time? Or were you able to enjoy life? Oh, we definitely enjoyed ourselves, yeah. Uh, it's a little different from Ireland in the way that people, their jobs can be their lives, you know, and you, you take it home with you a lot and you work a lot of extra hours. Um, but we definitely made the most where we did a lot of travelling. Um, we did a lot of travelling around the States. We got to see. Alaska and Hawaii and a load of amazing places that you would only dream of um, and we had a great social life made a lot of friends there so mm. it was definitely a wonderful, was a wonderful place to spend your 20s Absolutely Now family is on your mind then Yeah you, You'd like to have children of course yeah. That wasn't straightforward for you No it wasn't easy for us Um being over there on your own, it's not easy in general anyway, I think, to start having a family. Um, but it took us it took us a while to have Jack. Um, he was born in 2017. So that was kind of the trigger then for us to start thinking about moving home. You know, mm. was this where we wanted to, to raise our family and so far away from my mummy and daddy and, yes. and the whole lot. So it was, it was kind of time to start thinking, right, where we're going to stay here, make go of it, or is it time to go home or... What yeah, we better tell them who you, tell them who your daddy is. He's so well known. Yeah, <laughs> my daddy is Anton McCabe, and he's also the reason why I'm here today. Because <laughs> he, he sent Jerry a, a letter. He did, and he's outside here. She wouldn't let him into the studio with her. And the mammy's outside as well. And she said, "Oh, please don't come in, and we'll be under too much pressure. I'll be too nervous." Not but, outside in the rain, now, just <laughs> outside in the in the waiting. No, room. she was gracious. She didn't put them out into the rain. She let them sit in the hall outside here, yeah. so that they, well, they're probably having a cup of tea and a coffee. Anyway, yeah. anyway, we know who you are now, and loads of people do. Yeah. So when you have family, I hear a lot of people saying that when they're away, they think of home and they think of coming home. So yeah. both of you decided we're leaving this now and we're going to go back. Yeah. Now, coming back here, uh, quantities of air, he's coming. He left at the right time. And My God, he's coming right back at the yeah. right time as yeah. well, isn't he? Absolutely. He's yeah. called it really well. You came back. Did you continue to work on the real estate when you got back here? Yeah, I did. Um, we had Jack in San Francisco, so we moved home when he was six months old. So I had just gone back to work about six weeks before we moved. Um, and they had very nicely let me bring my job back with me to work remotely from home, um, which was it was a great opportunity and it was a great idea at the time but actually trying to juggle a different time zone and mm. a toddler and you know you're trying to put him to bed and you're also trying to work at the same time was a lot more challenging than I'd expected it to be mm. um, so I just made the decision that it wasn't working out for us so I did bring the job home with me but I just ended up packing it in then maybe okay. maybe we were home two months when I and Colm is working it. away since since he's come home yes he is Yeah, which is great yeah. so you'd think then you have a small fella and he needs minding and mm-hmm. you think well I, that's grand we'll, we'll get on with this for, yeah. for the moment but that is not you Claire no what happened um, I just kind of I've stayed at home with Jack for a few months and I always had intended on, on trying to do something myself I'd always was attracted to the idea of having my own business. Wasn't really sure what it was going to be. And then living at home and, you know, shopping locally, I just kind of started to think to myself, God, there's really not a whole lot in Navin or even in Mead um, for young families. Um, You know, there's a couple of kids shops, but there was nothing really that fit what I was looking for to buy for Jack. Um, I bought a lot of things for him online. um, So I started to think it would be great if there was 
a children's boutique that kind of hit all the boxes for, you know, your young families, um, had something a little bit more different to offer, um, you know, just kind of your your creative and fun mm. products for kids. Um, so I started to think about opening my own shop. Uh, so As you do. Yeah. Not a bother to us. We'll just open a shop. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you know, I kind of put the feelers out with family and friends and, and especially friends that had kids and lived locally and they all thought, God, that's a great idea. So it took off. It was an idea that just wouldn't go away. So. Mm. Did you do anything to set you up for this? Because real estate and children's online selling and now face-to-face the shop is a little bit different. Yeah, it's very different. Um, I suppose the only thing that really gave me the confidence to do it a little bit was that I have a parenting blog that I started when when Jack was a baby, a very small baby. Tully's Tales. Tully Tales, yeah. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, so I had confidence in in kind of my tech skills and, you know, working on a website and building up a website. And I felt like I had those skills for, for, you know, kind of marketing the shop and that kind of thing. so it gave me a little bit of confidence, but a lot of it was just completely blind faith and a lot of learning on the go and how to open a shop or, you know, where to, to find suppliers. And, yeah, because and you opened online first. Yes, yes. yes so I, and, and the name is brilliant. <laughs> Jack and Ori. Jack and Ori. Yeah. Now that rings a bell with so many people, with me, because I used to fly home from school every day as a little fella, switch on the BBC. And there it was, Jack and Ori, Jack and Ori. Yeah. You've no problem with using that name, have you? No problem with using the name, no. You have it registered I have all. it registered, it's yours. yeah, it's mine, yeah. I like it. There's great connotations of, yeah. of children as well. Yeah. So how do you just go about... Oh, first of all, you have to design your online presence. Yes. It's jackandori.ie. Yeah. Who do you go to to do that for you? Um, I went to the same girl who made my logo for the blog. Um, I went to her first to kind of help me come up with a logo for the shop and colours to use on the website. But the website itself, I, I built from the ground up myself. Um, I use a, a platform called Shopify, which is very user friendly. But, mm. you know, some of it was straightforward and some of it took me a lot of kind of Googling and playing around with it to actually figure it out. And I also got a lot of help from my brother, Marcus, who is a graphic designer. Okay. Um, he has his own freelance and um, graphic design firm called Brandspace. So he helped me with a lot of, you know, the imagery and mm. the packaging and all of that kind of thing. It's designed, lovely. Yeah, designed the bags and everything for me. So I had a lot of help, um, but some of it was just kind of, I just challenged myself to build the website myself. So You're a tenacious woman, I see that. Yeah, well, I like to try and learn a new skill if I can. Yeah, so, yeah. that's brilliant. Yeah. So how do you then populate this with the products and where do you source those? So a lot of the brands that I that we stock in the shop are ones that I used for Jack. Um, there are a lot of what I would call like your, your Instagram brands that are very popular with young parents um, that you would only really buy online. Um, so I just reached out to them and told them what I was trying to do. And a lot of them were very positive and wanted to be involved and were delighted to have me stock them. Um, and then... I went to a trade show during the summer and found a couple of other brands that were maybe English brands or Danish brands um, that we brought into the shop. So, yeah, we just really researched, seen what was popular, what we liked, what we thought that people would like and bought those in for the shop. Um, and, yeah, that's really it. And, and how do you make the link that you have suppliers to supply all these things? Yeah. 
do when someone orders from you, does that go directly to them? Are no, you holding no, stock? No, no, we hold all you the hold stock. stock. Yeah, we hold okay. all the stock. So if you shop online with Jack Norrie, it'll be packaged and it'll be you do shipped all out to you the next day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. really, really interesting. It must be lovely, I'd say, when you set something up, when you sit there and you wait to see the first order coming yeah, through. Yeah, it's very exciting. I think I was up at about five o'clock in the morning the first day to start, start seeing some orders come through, which was lovely. Yeah, yeah. And, and come through they have and continuously yeah. and it's rolled yeah. along since. Yeah, it's going pretty well now. Um, the website has been really well received but the shop itself, people are, seem to love it when they come in. Mm. Um, I think a lot of people are happy and find it refreshing that there actually is a shop. You know, they can go and look on the website and then they can come in and... and Yes. see the stuff in person um, which is a little bit more unusual these days because a lot of stuff is online mm. um, so it's nice and you get a lot of babies in the shop and you mm. get a lot of toddlers and it's just so lovely to meet face to face so you have the best of both worlds yes. now you're marrying both yeah anyway she's married to a man uh, called Colm and she has a little fella called Jack he's 21 months old and what a story this is jackandori.ie and we have more of the story to tell after the break what's the story Jack and Ori Claire Tully's telling us this afternoon on late lunch now here's something just thinking of there about you a lot of businesses you know the high street is under pressure let's call it the high street or the main street or whatever you like to call it shopping in general all over the world because of online absolutely lots of people buying online many people retreat from the shop to an online presence Mm -hmm. but you're unusual you know you're online and then you go and open a shop why Uh, well it was actually always my intention to open the shop it just takes a lot longer to go from your concept to actually opening a unit um, so because I had that little bit of time in my hands I opened the website first um, it wasn't really intentional um, but I really felt like the gap in Navin was to have a nice shop to go into um, there's a lot of people that do shop online but there's also a lot of people like grandparents um, who would rather physically go into a shop and buy a gift and have it packaged up um, and also I think with kids sometimes I know myself, I like to actually size it up against Jack or that kind of thing. So I thought there was value in having an actual retail unit. Um, But interestingly, there is a lot of pressure on the high street, but I find it very, very difficult to find a unit in Navin because there's a lot of new shops going into Navin. Mm. Um, So there seems to be a real pick up there. You're booking the trend, let me say, because a lot of other places people are retreating, as as I mentioned earlier on. So you're open and a range of stuff for children. Is that it? That's what you start? Yeah, we sell uh, kids' clothes up to, um, from birth up to 12 years. And we sell a lot of your baby gear, like changing bags, slings, um weaning gear breastfeeding gear that kind of thing stuff Um, that's a little bit different yes as well stuff that's a little bit different we always try and and sell something that like we think is very practical that we would have used for our own children Mm. Um, a lot of the products and brands that we stock I do use with Jack or I have used with Jack Um, so you know they're not really frivolous you can get a fun gift in the shop but they're also usually something that's very useful they're tried and tested and you'll stand over them you like them yourself absolutely I've used them I I will recommend them to people I wouldn't I wouldn't sell something Mm. that I wouldn't use myself you know your early doors this is new to you both online and in the physical presence of the shop as well what you have at the moment are you happy to just stay with that now we're running into Christmas which Mm -hmm. should be a busy time on on all fronts for you can you see the pick up I can definitely see the pickup. The last couple of weeks has been very busy and it's Black Friday this weekend. So I think a lot of people are 
kind of shopping around and waiting for those deals to hit. We are having a sale this weekend. We fifteen percent off if anyone is in town. And so wants you're to into shop. this Black Friday thing. As We're well, into I, the Black yeah. Friday thing. Mm. I know it's very American, but uh, it's it's good fun too. It's mm. a nice way to kick off Christmas. So, so the pickup you see, yeah. will you stick with? The knitting at the moment, what the, the range you have and the brands, or do you look to the future? Are you always looking to add something? I'm always something? looking. There's a lot of you know, there's a lot of innovative and new companies out there, especially Irish companies. Um, there seems to be a lot of women opening new businesses and, and kind of putting you know their practical experience with parenting into products. So we're always looking, um, and we are constantly kind of trying to pick up new stock that we think people are interested in we, we definitely take on board any of our customers suggestions when they ask do you have this brand or do you have this product we'll always look into it so mm. we'll, we'll be evolving as we as we go on and you are evolving as a family may I say as yes. well because Jack is going to have a new brother or sister in uh, the spring sister yeah he's going to be so a big brother so you know already we do yeah we're having a baby girl in March do you like to know Yes, I like to be very prepared. And did you know that Jack was a boy as well? Oh, I did, yeah, yeah. Okay, some people don't, but you you want to be... I like to be prepared and, you know, have all my my yes. best spot and the whole lot, so, yeah. Okay, well, congratulations <laughs> to you. you That's another much. big occasion coming it up. Is. So, how are you going to keep an online shop, a shop, uh, a 21-month-old, a new baby and all that going? Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Uh, with a lot of support. Um, Who's with you, yeah. I have a lot of support in the shop. My sister, Suzanne, works um, in the shop with me. And we also have a fabulous uh, part-time gal called Paula. Um, both are experienced mammies, which is very important to me that they, you know, actually had been there, done that, had the sleepless nights. Mm. Uh, so they run it like a like a ship I nearly don't even need to be there at this stage <laughs> I don't believe that for a yeah. so it's team Jack and Ori at this yeah. stage I always say to my sister I don't know which of us is the boss here but I think it's you <laughs> <laughs> um, and I also have huge support from my parents and from Colm's family yeah. so it's great yeah. and to and Margaret I didn't say hello to Margaret I know okay. she's here today with you as well I know yeah. she listens to LMFM she does all of the time she loves um, LMFM <laughs> and we love her too for loving us let me say the 
move from the States. I just want to come back to something mm-hmm. there because this caught my attention. Atticus is your dog. He is. Scout is the cat. He is. But they're USA citizens. They are Americans, yeah. Got an American bark and American meow. They're definitely was it, Just as an aside, sorry, I, I, I want to know this. Mm-hmm. Was it difficult to bring them from the States in here with the rules and regulations? Um, it wasn't very difficult. We ended up, we were trying to do it ourselves and we ended up um, using a third party and they couldn't have made it easier. All we had to do was bring them to the vets, make sure they had all their injections um, and get their you know, puppy and cat passport signed and they came and picked them up and they put them on a different flight to us and then they picked them up in the airport and and they that was it. Into the house. Yep. How do you it. reckon they uh, taken? They've taken to their adopted oh, country. Oh, they love it. Do they? Uh, yeah. The cat, especially now when we lived in the states, had never been outside. He was always an indoor cat, and now I can't keep him inside. He's always outside, so he's loving the space. And where did you get the, the names from? Is there anything behind those names? Atticus there is, the dog. Yeah. Um, my favorite book is To Kill a Mockingbird, so that's where the names come from. Atticus and Scout. Atticus and Scout, yeah. Yes, in that book. Interesting. Do you like yeah. reading? I love reading, yeah. Do you? It's a great hobby of mine, Do you yeah. read all the time? Um, when I have time. Yeah. Well, it's a, God, I'll tell you. Here's another. I was saying Anne McVeigh was busy early on. Claire Tully, <laughs> you're up in that league as well. But they say give a busy woman a job and yeah. she'll get it done for you. How do you feel today? You know, a lot's happened in your life very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. You know, a businesswoman with yeah. an online and a shop as well. What do you, what do you think today? Um, I, it's a little hard to believe sometimes when I sit down and I think about it. Um, you know, it was a very quick transition from moving home to to opening my own business and now even your baby on the way. But we kind of thrive in chaos in, in my family. So <laughs> we're. Uh, I'd there's a frisson and an energy there. Yeah, that we're every, keeps we're everybody busy, rocking so and rolling. It's just yeah. once you kind of have mm. something going on, you just. Do you have any it. time for. You know, you have a, a small child as well, another one on the way. Anything else besides reading that you do for leisure or break away from business and. Um, the only real other hobby I have, I suppose, is the parenting blog that I have. Yes. Um, you know, I'm determined to keep that going. Tully Tales. The Tully Tales, yeah. It's a, it's a hobby of mine, writing, mm. so. You have plenty to say on a range of topics, I can tell yeah. you as well, on that blog. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Jack gives me great material yes. too, so. And a lot of people, you know, follow you as well and are interested in what you have to yeah. say. Yeah, So here you are, 2018, heading into 2019 with the world, the world your oyster, let me say, with, with the new business. I think you have a great story and you, you've done marvellously to set this up and get it going so Thanks quickly as well. And again I say I love that name Jack and Ori. It's brilliant. Where are you by the way? I forgot to ask you. Where are you in Navin? We are in Preston Place. So for anyone familiar with Navin we are just down the steps from McDonald's and we are right below Clark Sports then. Oh well there's a landmark for you. Yeah. You can't miss it there. You can't so miss that it place there, no. so many people know that from all over the country. Absolutely. Well look I wish you well with the business uh, both aspects of it and with the new arrival in the new year and good luck to with Jack and Nori uh, uh, from both aspects as well and I really admire what you've done you should be so proud of yourself and say hello to uh, the husband as well Colm I will do um, thank you when Jerry. you get back thanks for joining me on the show today Claire Tully thanks a million The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Drogheda your local Renault selection dealer with over 250 quality used cars in stock there's always something for everyone at Blackstone Motors check out our used stock online at blackstonemotors.ie now, bullying, it must be the scourge of this era uh, that we live in at the moment because it's something that really affects an awful lot of people. And it starts with children from a very young age. 
Kiva. Yes, you're going to hear about Kiva more in this country over the coming weeks, months and years. It's an anti-bullying programme that's been developed in Finland. And Ireland is the 19th country to start this initiative. And it starts here in County Louds. County Louth and Monaghan. And I'm joined on the show today by Alice Malone, who's a certified Kiva trainer. Alice, you're very welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Jerry. Kiva, tell them what it is, if you can. OK. Kiva is um, an evidence-based anti-bullying programme. And what I mean by that is that it has been researched over a number of years and has been proven to be effective in addressing bullying issues within the school and for young children. How does it work? What's the, the the nuance of it, the key that makes it effective? Okay, there's a number of parts to Kiva. So there is a preventative piece for schools. So I suppose the first part of Kiva is trying to prevent bullying from occurring in the first place and creating a culture within schools that is positive, that's inclusive, that Um, I suppose, allows children to be kind to each other um, and I suppose creating that culture of inclusion within schools. So that's the first part. The second part then is, I suppose, what we call indicated actions and that's where each school has a dedicated Kiva team to actually tackle cases of bullying that occur. The third part then is where the school monitors how they are getting on with the implementation of the programme over a period of time. So prior to starting a Kiva programme in the school, there is an online survey that's carried out with the children to find out the levels of bullying in the school, what children, I suppose, what their perceptions are of how teachers are dealing with bullying. Um, and I suppose um, how children see the school, whole school environment. And then the school then get those results back and over and the, the survey is carried out then at the end of the school year and the school then are able to see the progress that they're making in relation to bullying within their environment. My God, it is a comprehensive programme, it is, isn't it? Absolutely. And you, you know, you have the introduction of it, the implementation of it, and then the measurement of it as well. Which absolutely. It's great to hear. And I, I think this is an important point to make. This is just not a one off thing for a school over an academic year. This yeah. starts and is continuous then. Absolutely. It, it's very much um, an ongoing. Um, I suppose maybe the, the easiest way to explain it is that all of the staff within the school are trained in the implementation of Kiva. So it's not just the teachers that are trained, the secretaries are trained, the caretakers, the special needs assistants, the whole school are trained. And I suppose part of the implementation is to ensure that this is embedded within the school forever. Yes. And so that's it's the point. not something that no. I suppose we as trainers go in and deliver and walk away from. We're upskilling the staff within the school to implement this programme on an ongoing basis. Which is fantastic Absolutely. to hear. It yeah. really is. Now, this has come from Finland and been developed in Finland. And I mentioned that Ireland was the 19th country. This is proven to work beyond doubt. Oh, absolutely. There has been numerous research studies carried out. Um, prior to Kiva being introduced in Finland, in the global map of bullying, if you like, or Finland would have been seen as a medium risk country. And 
after the implementation of Kiva, uh, Finland is now seen as a low-risk country for bullying. Ireland is in the exact same position. We're seen as a medium-risk country. And I suppose the challenge to Irish society is to move towards a low mm. risk. And I suppose what for us was important that this programme works in different cultures, in different settings. And for us, um, the closest to us is operating in Wales. And we've seen the effectiveness of the programme in Wales. And that's the reason that the Genesis programme, I suppose, after many years of researching, actually decided that the Kiva anti-bullying programme was the one that was most effective. So we didn't land on it by chance. It took a lot of um, research by the staff team in in the Genesis programme to decide on the initiative we were going to bring to to the country. And the Genesis programme, just to tell people at a high level, is an amalgam of uh, 50 organisations, different organisations that have interests in this particular area. Yeah, have an interest, I suppose, in children. Yeah. Not specifically in in bullying, but have Mm. an interest in children's social and emotional wellbeing. So we, the consortium is made up of early year services. It's made up of schools. It's made up of statutory, community, voluntary organisations. And I suppose the idea is to try and bring those organisations together to have some kind of a joined up approach in tackling some of the issues that children face. So, for example, um, the Genesis programme would work with the early year services in trying to, I I suppose, support the language development of children Mm. through a programme called Hannon. Um, we would work as well very much with the early year services, the schools and the other organisations in developing a programme called The Incredible Years. And that very much focuses on the social and emotional well-being of children. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have a programme called Changing Lives. And uh, we have a team specifically working here in County Lives that has a parent programme um, for parents whose children may be shown the signs and symptoms of ADHD. So I suppose Kiva is the newest programme now that we're bringing to schools in Louth and Monaghan. Yes. So you are the people who are responsible for taking this and rolling it out into the schools. That's correct. Yes, Jerry. Now, why Louth and Monaghan and a number of schools? I see there's four in Louth and I just want to mention them. Marymount National School and uh, St John's National School in Drogheda. Redeemer Boys National School and St Joseph's National School in Dundalk are the ones in the in Louth at the moment. That's correct. Well, I suppose well, the Genesis programme is the area-based childhood programme for County Loud. Yeah. So it's our obvious place to start okay. implementing the programme. No, at all. Um, so I suppose, that secondly, um, we would have, um, again, as I say, after maybe two years, secured funding mm. through the Department of Children and Youth Affairs to implement the programme in County Loud. But we also then secured a contract um, through Peace Four in Monaghan to deliver four to schools there schools in Monaghan yeah. as well. So I suppose that's where we started off, and the plan is in 2019 that we will deliver to eight more schools in County Louth. And is the ultimate aim to roll this out to every school in Ireland? Obviously, that would be the ultimate aim, yeah. and that would be the ambition. Huge ask, isn't it? A huge ask. Um, I suppose where we would say is 
let's do things slowly and gradually and, and hopefully be able to prove the effectiveness of Kiva in Ireland. And if we're able to do that, then I suppose we would be looking then at government agencies to mm. come in and to say, yes, this programme works. It also, I suppose, works through implementation support because there's no point in training up people and letting them go off on their own. They need support to implement it. And I suppose that's where the Genesis programme team come into play. So I suppose then we're in a position where we would be able to talk to government about securing resources to roll out this programme in other counties um, in the country. Mm. And and that is the ultimate ambition. Yeah. Why not, you know, yeah. aim high? But nothing better than you can actually... You mentioned Wales there and you're very familiar with that and the confidence in it with all the other countries that have Absolutely. been successful across cultures as well. But there's nothing to beat to having schools on your own doorstep in your own country and being able to say, look at this. Absolutely. That's going to be the best sell you can make. Absolutely. And we did have our, our launch yesterday and it was amazing to see, even after two months of implementation, I suppose the impact it was having on children as young as seven. Children were able um, to put the words on what the consequences of being bullied were yeah. for, ch- for them. So this has been up and running for uh, a while in these schools? It's, yes, we would have trained um, 225 um, school staff okay. um, at the end of August right? and I suppose since then yes. the schools are now starting to implement it. And they're seeing already, you're seeing with children the effects of this coming through immediately. Immediately and children are now have the words because sometimes young children find it difficult to get the words to explain what exactly is going on but children now have the words but more importantly they have the confidence to be able to tell an adult if they are being bullied. Because very often a lot of bullying is very subtle and and sometimes can be quite hidden. But children are now starting to recognise what bullying is and being able to actually talk about it before it becomes an ingrained problem. This is a real good news story, folks, because we hear the negativity around bullying an awful lot of the time and its consequences. But remember this name, Kiva, an anti-bullying programme, which we're beginning to roll out here in Ireland. We're talking about it on Late Lunch today by Alice, with Alice Malone, who's a certified Kiva trainer. Would you just tell listeners, uh, Alice, about your focus groups and meeting with parents, which is all part of of what you do as well, and where bullying stands when you talk to them? Yeah, I suppose over the past maybe four or five years, um, we would have been running um, and supporting a number of parenting programmes. And through the incredible years parenting programmes, we would have come up with the idea of bringing parents together afterwards and having a parent forum where parents could discuss issues that were impacting on them or the family or issues that were important for them. And I suppose through those parent forums, um, every year consistently for the past five years, bullying has been the number one issue that parents have identified as the issue that impacts mostly, um, I suppose, on their family or on a, on their children and the fear they have of their child being bullied. Mm-hmm. Um, and I suppose it's no coincidence either through consultations with children that children have also identified bullying as being an issue that they want 
I suppose, more support around. So I suppose the Genesis programme in listening to parents and listening to children um, felt that we had a responsibility to try and respond to that. And I suppose that then was the beginnings of our research around looking at an anti-bullying initiative. Which led you to Kiva. And Which Kiva led us to Kiva. Is here now. And Kiva is What here. about parents in this? Because you yeah. mentioned you've trained all those people in the schools Absolutely. in Louth and yeah. Monaghan. Parents have a big part to play. Parents have a big part to play. And I suppose what is lovely again about Kiva is that each school that is now a Kiva school have a parents' night where um, bullying, um, what bullying is, the definition, what it is, what it isn't, the consequences and how they can talk to their child is presented on the night. But not only that, um, if um, there's also a parent guide um, that parents can actually, you know, we're, we're in, in the process of printing them yeah. so that every parent of a child from a Kiva school will have a hard copy of the guide that they can take home and that they can refer to. Mm. Um, it also will be available on our own website, which is genesisloud.ie. People listening today who've experienced bullying with their children, they've mm. been the victims of it. They're going through perhaps a bullying mm. case at the moment or issue. If your child's been bullied at school, I, I take it just, I'm trying to work this logic okay. in myself. You, you mm. go to the teacher of the class and then the next is the school principal. If you're not getting any satisfaction, where do you go then? OK, I suppose the next step realistically is the board of management. Um, and that would need to be brought to the attention of the Board of Management. And after that, then, um, if you're still not getting any satisfaction, um, you can bring it to the office of the Ombudsman for Children. Right. Um, you know, and, and that's probably, you know, where, where you actually bring the case So that's to. the process. That's the process, yes. But, but, but what you would be hoping is that every school has, that, that are now Kiva schools, have a Kiva team. Yeah. And that it would be dealt with at, I suppose, the earliest possible opportunity. Yeah. So it's important for parents that if their child is um, experiencing bullying, that that they talk to them, that they believe them, that they support them, and I suppose that they contact the school. And the school have a duty and a responsibility to tackle all cases of bullying. Mm. Um, and that's you know, in direction from the Department of Education and and, and skills. Um, every school will have an anti-bullying uh, anti policy and anti-bullying procedures. And I suppose the gap that schools were telling us was um, we want to bring this policy and these procedures alive. Yeah. And Kiva does that for them as well. Which is the brilliance of it, I have to say. No. There's probably people listening today and we've mentioned the schools in Loudoun. There are four in, in County mm. Monaghan as well. They're a part of this, uh, the first tranche. How can a school have Kiva or what's the process? OK, um, we plan to roll out eight more schools on, um, in 20, 2019. So any school in County Loud that is interested, um, you can contact uh, the Genesis programme on info at genesisloud.ie or you can phone us on 041-984-3333 um, the team will then come out with and meet with you as a school and see are you 
ready to actually mm. implement Kiva. And you say loud, loud is your remit. That's loud where is our remit. Okay. Yes, at, at the yes, minute, absolutely. Yeah. And beyond that, do you see it crossing the borders? You have Monaghan there for schools. <laughs> where do you see yeah. it going? Um, I I suppose we're looking again. You know, initially loud. We have Monaghan. Um, we're not going to exclude any county that, you know, want to implement mm. Kiva. Me, um, we have to mention that. We have to mention me Because we're sitting um, here today talking to them. And I suppose we, as a programme, um, are aligned with Tusla. Yes. Um, and Tusla does cover Louth and Mead. Okay. So I suppose, you know, obviously, um, I suppose we would need the resources to be able to roll it out. Yes. Um, and I suppose we don't want to run before we can walk either. I understand. And we that. want to implement the programmes properly Mm. and give the proper support to the schools while they're implementing it. I hear what you're saying. Look, uh, I wanted to air this today because I've uh, a particular interest always in bullying and the stamping out of bullying with children from a young age because I'm getting it, getting in there and action in it. And this is brilliant. Kiva is the name of the programme. You're going to hear more about it in the future. I wish you well, Alice, yourself and everyone involved, the schools and the team as well. And look forward to talking to you down the road as well. It's going great early doors, but we'll get some more information as the academic years roll along. But for the moment, Alice Malone, certified Kiva trainer from the Genesis programme in Louth. Thank you. Thank you, Jerry. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Drogheda, your local Renault selection dealer. With over 250 quality used cars in stock, there's always something for everyone at Blackstone Motors. Check out our used stock online at blackstonemotors.ie. To some of your comments this afternoon, Martin O'Neill and Roy Keane gone. We were talking about it to Carl Dervin at the top of the show. What about Wenger, Jerry? Successful manager and out of work at the moment, says Jay in Dundalk. Well, he may be an option, is right. Finished at Arsenal last year, thank God. Stephen Kenny is definitely the first choice for the Republic of Ireland job. He has prov- he has proved himself beyond doubt. We had uh, we have the best man in the country in Kenny. You have it, Dundalk says Eric. Uh, should be considered. I said that earlier in any new Irish setup. Hi, Jerry. I'm making my Christmas pudding tomorrow with my grandchildren when they get in from school. They enjoy it. And yes, as Anne says, it is the start of Christmas, the real start of Christmas, may I say? Brian Kerr should get the manager's job, having been very badly treated, and John Delaney should be replaced. Says another lit- listener. Uh, the lady that's on at the minute, yes, that refers to her discussion uh, about the bullying a moment ago with Alice Malone. Uh, is there a programme for bullies? As a lot of children don't realise they're bullies. Actually, that's part of that programme and pointing it out to children as well. Thank for your, thanks for your comment. John was on to say he doesn't really follow football, but what he thinks about the Irish team is that they're not good enough against world teams. The players are not there. Thanks indeed for that, John. And just reminding you, Christmas really gets into full swing in Dundalk this weekend with their Frostival Winter Festival on Friday and Saturday. There's a host of activities for the festive season and attractions for young and old, including a Christmas market, Santa's Grotto, the Frostville Express train and much more. And it all begins this Friday with the switching on of the Christmas lights at 6 o'clock and the spectacular Carnival of Light Parade, a winter fairy tale come to life with an amazing display of light drama 
theatrics and fun. So if you're there on Friday, pop over to the LMFM Roadrunner and say hello to the LMFM team who'll be there to sample the Christmas the uh, Christmas atmosphere. That's Dundalk this weekend, the switching on of the lights there. Tommy Fleming, who won the tickets yesterday, forgot to tell you before we went. Linda Duff, well done to you. You're going to see Tommy Fleming, his special Christmas concert in St. Magdalene's Dominican Church, Drogheda on Thursday the 6th of December. Some tickets still available from the Mass office at the Dominicans or from TommyFleming.net. I have a pair to give away again today. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. What's the name of this Tommy song? Let us pause in life's pleasures and count its many tears. That's enough. That's enough, Sinead. Whoa, 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 whoa. Don't give them any more. What's the name of that song that Tommy Fleming has almost made his own? Answers to 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text for a pair of tickets to see Tommy in the Dominican Church in Drogheda on Thursday, December 6th. Up next on Late Lunch, it's the wonderful Hermione Hennessy. Hermione, it's lovely to talk to you again and thank you for joining us on Late Lunch. Your dad, Chrissy, hard to believe. He's 11 years gone this December the 11th, but his songs and music live on and this new album The Last Goodbye oh my word tell us Hermione how did it happen you know the funny thing is um, he seems to live on in people's hearts and memories and, and actually for him to still live on in the memories of people from the music industry is quite something when so many artists are coming up and and in the last 10 years there's been so many who have come and, and, and are still remaining and many that have gone and to get a phone call from the head of Universal Music in Ireland when the last album we made was 10 years ago and I received that a year ago saying Hermani we need to do something to mark the 10th anniversary of his passing was really quite something now the thing is I work in the business so it wasn't that extraordinary but I felt very honoured for him to call me and say you know we made two albums with Joe Dolan and obviously he sadly passed away but he said we made two albums with the RTE Concert Orchestra and I had this feeling that that's something your dad might like to have done and I said you know, you're right. He said, I was reading that one of his favourite albums was The Little Touch of Schmilk in the Night with um, uh, Harry Nielsen. And I said, you're very right, Mark. And he do you think that's something you would be into? And I said, the family would really, really love that. And it would kind of be a dream come true, but I didn't think it would be one that actually would come to pass. And he said, well, do you want to come in and chat to us? And I said, ah, oh, here's the thing. My my dad, when 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 he passed away, said that any records that were ever made after after he left us, would need to be overseen by my brother, who at the time was only 21 years old and was doing his music degree. But he believed that Tim had a gift like no other, and, and, and he really invested in him from when he was tiny, in the way I guess that he invested in myself and Amber, Amber with her fiddle-playing skills, and she went to music college, and I just fiddled about and sang and managed him. But he very much felt that music was a great career path, and even though there's 19 years between myself and Tim as there is between myself and Dad, he really sort of encouraged him to explore his gift. And and Tim went to music college, and when Dad passed, he said to him, I just think you have something extraordinary. You can work across any field of music. So Tim became a composer as well as he is much an EDM artist and works across pop and has done commercials for British Gas and McDonald's and done music for YouTube and Lego and... I mean, he's kind of quite extraordinary, but I had to say to the record company, look, Dad, you know, Dad would have wanted him to do this, and the RT concert orchestra is a huge thing, and and I don't know how they would feel about Tim 
arranging and orchestrating this and and basically they'd have to read his notes and and he would be in charge of the orchestra and Tim is just 30 he's only sort of 31 years old he's still a baby and terms of this world which is a very big undertaking and you're going to have to invest in him making this record and trust us to give you a, a, a beautiful piece of work which I believe we would do but you have to know that that will be the case and they said yes which is a lovely thing. And he is deeply involved in guiding this album and this music but you are too Hermione because there are two beautiful duets there with your dad. What was it like singing with your father and being part of his world? It felt very natural. You know, I'd done it since I was tiny. It was it was all I it was all I knew and I feel very blessed to have been born with a voice, I guess. You know, Amber doesn't sing at all and my mum can't sing and Tim can sing, but he didn't I guess he didn't ever feel he was that was his first gift. He was a natural singer, but I can't do what Tim does. So you know, you get given things in life, um, and I think that was my primary. Th- I can play the piano, but I can't play it like Tim does. That was my primary thing. And and I, I, I the funny thing is when Tim, myself and Amber decided to go out on the road in the summer, uh, Tim didn't particularly want to do it, but we felt that it was something that we should do to mark his 10th anniversary. And we just sort of did five dates as like a sort of a, I don't know how it came about. It was another phone call, really, from dad's old agent and my agent sort of saying people are asking for you to go out and play dad's songs and it was amazing because we got mobbed really and the date sold out in five minutes and and it was lovely from a tribute perspective to be able to play dad's music and and to sort of all tell stories about him but I went through the attic and found these tapes of me and dad singing that were reel to reels that we got transferred and there's me sort of talking to him kind of saying can I sing that and I was two and he'd say, no, darling, not, not, not now, when, you know, in a minute. And I'd kind of say, but, but now? And he'd say, no. And then I would sort of do a bit of a duet with him. And then he'd say, okay, now this bit. And we were singing, you know, I'd sing Staggerly, you know, by Mississippi John Hurt with him. Mm. I was a real blues girl. And, and then we'd sing this song called, you're the lady, you're the lady that I love. And he'd sing, I'm the lady, the lady, who You know, and he'd go, that's your bit. And I'd say, no, that's my bit, Daddy. <laughs> you know, and we would, you know, and we played that on stage and, you know, it was it was lovely. So for me, it was incredibly natural. And he he loved that whole family thing. You know, from the Jacksons to the Frank and Nancy to the Brady Bunch. You know, the Waltons didn't sing, but he was that was his thing. You know, he you, you know the the Irish thing of nine. You know, he, had, he there were nine of them in his family, and and most of them could play some kind of instrument or could sing. And obviously, his mom did. His dad did, even though he died at you know when dad was five. They were all very involved intrinsically with with musicality and they shared within that. And I think Dad was very into encouraging that for us because he believed that it would lead to a good life if that's what we wanted. And that was probably with him being dyslexic was as much as he could give us. He definitely didn't want us to end up up a ladder like he spent most of his life. I think he felt that was harder. Isn't it lovely to feel that warmth her, let me say that again. Isn't it lovely to feel that warmth ter- towards your dad still uh, th- this 10th anniversary year? And as I said, he'll be 11 years gone now in December and, and the popularity still remains. He's endeared in the hearts of people in Ireland and all over the world. What would he make of this uh, album uh, with the orchestra, do you think? I, I don't think he ever believed... He believed in his 
success in that he loved the fact that he was able to reach people and touch people. He loved spending time with people. I think he would have embraced the new kind of social media culture because it would have meant he could reach more people. Obviously, he wouldn't have been able to read stuff, so he'd have driven me mad, kind of going, read that, read that, reply to them. This is what you, you need to say for me. He just adored that. And I think he'd have had this huge surge of a lease of life, even internationally, because it sort of, a new world has opened from a music perspective and a freedom. I, I think this, from a record perspective, this was his dream come true. I think Tim has done him personally. I think he's done him proud. And we didn't expect anything from this. Tim, you know, worked on it over Christmas last year with his daughter sitting next to him. She was tiny and on the piano that dad bought him and did the mixing in dad's studio garden shed at the bottom of my mum's garden. And it's very personal. And the reaction has been incredible. He didn't overcrowd dad's voice. It's very delicate, I think. And, you know, I think it's brought dad's songs to a new audience. I was in The Chemist yesterday, which is in southwest London, and they were saying to me, what were you doing in Ireland, Tamani? Somebody said you are in Ireland, and I played them a tiny clip of The Late Late Show from the weekend, which I never do, but I'm very close to them. And, and the lady behind the counter didn't know anything about it. She's like, I'd buy that record. That's the kind of thing I'd listen to. And I just thought, you know what? This will hopefully open Dad's songs to a new audience. And, and that was what he was all about, was those songs touching people. And But from, a, from his own perspective, do I think he would have thought that would this would ever have happened? No. Would he have loved it? Yes. But not from a selfish or egotistical perspective, just to be able to make a difference, for people to feel that that those songs touched their heart and that they meant something because there's not one word, word he ever wrote that he didn't have meaning behind it. Absolutely. And what a lovely way to finish our conversation. Your words are beautiful about your dad. And I was I wanted to echo them as I wanted to echo them myself as well to say that if you're a Christy Hennessy fan, this is majestic. If you have somebody in your life that you want to introduce to this wonderful man and his music, this is the album to get this Christmas. It's out now. It's called The Last Goodbye. And Hermione, you've done a great job, your family, in keeping your dad's memory alive. And it will be alive for many, many years and generations to come. It's beautiful. Thank you. That's so lovely of you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Hermione. And there's only one way to finish this conversation. Let's hear a track from the new album, All the Lies. All the lies that you told me All the tears that I cried gave me it was a lie but I could never imagine when I felt so high that there could be somebody new better than you in my life when I woke up this morning with tears in my Could there be 
Cause there is waiting for you Waiting for someone like you All the nights that you told me All your loving was mine And I wanted to listen to all of your lies But I could never imagine When I felt so high That there could be somebody new Better than you Hermione Hennessy there with a cover of her dad's original song. Tommy Fleming tickets today going to Alfie McGivern. Hard times was the song. Eddie's up next with The Drive. We'll be back with Thursday's Late Lunch. Half one. See you then. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Drogheda, your local Renault selection dealer. With over 250 quality used cars in stock, there's always something for everyone at Blackstone Motors. Check out our used stock online at blackstonemotors.ie. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.